When planning the road to success, there are a few steps to keep in mind. Identifying and solving the cause, facing and embracing change, goal setting, and being accountable. We'll talk about this today on Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. New and healthier habits lead to prosperity in all areas of your life and business. Now, here's your host, Chris Salem. Well, welcome, everybody. Hope everyone's having a great week and uh, welcome new listeners here to Sustainable Success. You found us here at the Voice American Influencers Channel. We are committed to here bringing great guests and experts that share their valuable wisdom and insight from personal experience to help scale your business and personal life to the next level. We encourage everybody to not only check us out here at Voice American Influencers Channel, but also our Facebook page at Sustainable Success. 2017. I hope everyone's having a great week. And again, for those uh, that have not got got their goals down for the uh, 2022, this could be for your business, your personal goals, feel free to reach out to us at Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. We'd be more than happy to review them and provide some direction insight to help move your business and personal life to the next level. Today's show is being brought to you today by Alumni Direct. Alumni Direct is a new social media community platform dedicated to bringing alumni together from all around the world. So whether if you are looking to rekindle old relationships with people that you went to school with or meet new people, perhaps from a different generation type, this is a great opportunity to do so. It take out all the uh, noise of social media. There's no notifications, just genuine, authentic connections on your time, not on their time, and ways to now connect where maybe perhaps you'll land your next business opportunity or job. Check them out at alumnidirect.com. That's alumnidirect.com. As I mentioned, we got a great show today. We're going to be talking about the four laws of, of keys, actually, four keys to leadership success. Now, everybody knows here on Sustainable Success, I am a big advocate of leadership principles. We talk about leadership all the time. And we have a great guest today. Uh, his name is Thomas Karetsi, and Tom is an expert in this particular area, and he's going to be providing some insight in this particular area around the four keys to leadership success. So before I introduce Tom, let me give you a little bit of background about him. He is an industry influencer, coach, speaker, educator, and mentor. His approach to leadership comes from a lifetime of international experience. His servant leadership principles are time-proven based on biblical foundations He is down to earth and able to strike a balance between business challenges and common sense solutions. His motivational and engaging style will leave you with practical and applicable solutions that you can put into your practice when it comes to leadership. And without further ado, we welcome Tom to the show. Tom, how are you doing today? Chris, thanks so much for having me. And uh, I hope I can live up to that uh, glamorous introduction there. Oh, you definitely will. You definitely will. Well, I, you know, I really I'm looking forward to and, and the listeners here and those that will be listening later, you're going to be sharing some valuable insights from your latest book, C-Suite and Beyond, The Four Keys to Leadership Success. If we could talk about just to kind of set the foundation for this show today from your perspective, what would leadership mean to you and, and maybe perhaps providing a different view to the listeners and how they view what leadership is? In order to be a leader, you have to have a, a really good idea of who you are. So uh, I would uh, start off the show with uh, kind of one nugget that your audience can take away right away because you said, 
I provide practical solutions. So here's a practical one. Um, every individual should be able to answer these three questions for themselves. And I'll share with you and your audience the three answers to these three questions for myself. All right, so the first question is, who are you? If you're going to be a good leader, uh, you have to have a self-identity and you have to know who you are. Uh, and what that definition for myself is I'm a servant leader, right? Uh, the second question is, what are you passionate about, right? If you're going to be a good leader, you have to be passionate about that topic, about that goal, about that vision, right? And my passion is making people better, making companies better, making teams better, making products better. So, you know, adding value to society and adding value to people. And, and then the third question is, what are you good at, right? Um, if you're not good at something, don't do it, right? <laughs> um, and, and if you are good at it, then yeah, by all means, uh, that's what you should be focusing on. So I'm good at mentoring and leading. So the beauty of those three questions is if, if, you, um, you, if you have a clear answer to those three questions and that's where you live your life, you will lead a successful life. So for example, look, if, if, um, if you're not passionate about getting up every morning uh, and either being a leader in your business, uh, or you're not passionate about those products, or you're not passionate about your mission. Uh, you know, we spent probably 10, you know, they say eight hours, but I would say probably the average executive spends 10 to 12 hours a day working. If you're not passionate about what you're doing, my God, why are you wasting 12 hours of your life? Right? Um, and if you're not good at it, <laughs> you know, then, then you probably won't be successful, right? So focus on those things uh, that you're good at, that you're passionate about, and really have a firm footing and know who you are, right? Now, the beauty of that for me is I can take that formula any part of my life. You know, I heard one time uh, somebody mention on a podcast, well, yeah, they should have, you know, different, uh, different approaches, different, uh, you know, um, of whether they're in personal life or they're in business life or other lives. And I said, that is the craziest thing I ever heard, right? Because then you have to reinvent yourself depending on which silo you're in. So if you have this clear identity of who you are, what you're passionate about, what you're good at, you can take that formula anywhere in your life. So let's say I'm a good mentor. Well, I could mentor my kids or I can mentor my employees or I can mentor my friends, right? Um, if uh, I'm passionate, uh, passionate about adding value and making people better, right? I, I can add value to my customers. I can add value to my products. I can, again, add value to my family and my kids, my friends. And I could be a servant leader of an organization or I could be a servant leader of my family. So I can take that formula and use it anywhere in my life. I don't have to reinvent myself depending on where I am. Uh, and it's just a lot easier living your life that way. Yeah, I really like the, you know, that point you made. You have to really know who you are and what are your strengths? Because if you're focused on the things that you're not good at and you're not really operating from that purpose or why, then really, are you really serving others. You're not, really, you, you're not really helping them from a level of strength. So I love what you said there. What would you say to a person that has been perhaps struggling in that particular area? Perhaps it could be a personal thing in a relationship. Maybe they're running a small business. Maybe they're running a business unit. Maybe they're running a, you know, a large organization. What would be the things that you would recommend if they're experiencing some disconnect there when you talked about, you know, leveraging your strengths, knowing your why, servant leadership, what would be the first step that you would recommend to them? Well, look, always look at yourself, 
right? So take a look at yourself, take a look at inventory. You, you know, you talked about, I think, in your introduction, uh, you know, putting a plan together for 2022. Well, th- this time of year is great. Um, you know, every December, uh, every individual, every organization, um, in fact, you look, if you're a large organization, you started this process back in September already, which is called yeah. a budgeting process, right? But it's a reflection of what happened this year. And based on, on what happened this year, and, and more importantly, what you learned from what happened this year, you start putting plans in for 2022, right? Um, and the key is to, to reflect and learn because um, experience is only valuable uh, if you learn from it. And, and based on what you learn, you change direction or maybe accelerate the direction if it's working well. Because if you don't learn from it, it's just stuff that happens to you. Right. Um, and, and if you stuff keeps happening to you always and you make the same mistakes and you're not getting ahead, then you're probably not learning from those experiences. Yeah, that's so true. So true. So we'll talk a little bit about if well, let's get into some of the four keys to leadership success. Um, you might have touched on, you know, maybe in the beginning there, but if we could kind of we could go through the next uh, this segment, maybe even to the next segment. And we can center in on those four keys to leadership success. Well, before I even get to the four keys, let me start off with sure. a, um, um, a, a concept. No, it's not, not a concept, concept. It's a reality. It's called influence, right? Um, and really what the four keys are for is to help you influence um, the goal that you're trying to achieve to influence, you know, other people. I mean, look, two people are having a conversation. Let's say it's a salesperson and a purchasing person. Well, guess what? Each one is trying to influence the other, right? The salesperson is trying to influence the buyer to buy his product at the best price. And a purchasing person is trying to influence the salesperson to give him the best terms, right? I mean, you know, that's influence going over there. Uh, husband and wife relationship. There's a lot of, you know, trying to influence the, uh, the individual there, right? So there's all kinds of, you know, that's how people, you know, communicate is, is trying to influence one that I have a better idea than, than you. And many of us in leadership uh, believe that once we have that corner office or once we have that job title, right, you know, we will become, you know, much more, uh, you know, that, that, that's when we can influence people, right, when we have that corner office. And let me just share with your audience two really quick stories. The, the, the first story is I remember a number of years ago, we were doing uh, mergers and acquisitions, and we were trying to do a merger between two fairly decent-sized companies, and we walked into the room. And, uh, you know, all these high flyers take the business cards out, you know, vice president of this and vice president of that. And everybody's handing their cards out. And this guy, Mike, there, and he doesn't have his card out, right? So, like, he doesn't have a card. And the, the conversation goes on for probably about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And, and it's, it's obvious to me and probably to a handful of other people in that room that if anything is going to happen in this room, it's going to be through Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike, Mike was, you know, through his words, through his thoughts, through his actions, um, was influencing the rest of the room. And it, and it was clear to me that, you know, Mike's the guy, right? He didn't have a card. He didn't have a title. So, and, and in fact, at the end, after I got to know Mike a little bit, I, I did get his card and his card just said Mike and his last name. I forgot what his last name was, but he didn't even have a title on it, right? So, um, you know, it, it's about who you are. And that's how you influence people. It's, it's, you don't influence people because you're the vice president of acquisitions or you're the vice president of marketing. Uh, that's the office, right? Uh, and look no, look no further than the president of the United States. And I'm, I don't want to be political and, and take, 
and, and take, you know, take any president. It could be the former one or the president one or, or two former ones. It, it doesn't much matter. But you hear people about saying, we respect the office. Well, yeah, there's some element of truth to that. We respect the office, but you really have to respect the person that's occupying that office. I mean, yeah. you know, that's, that's what it boils down to. Then the other story I want to just, uh, you know, quickly share with the audience is, is actually about my wife. So uh, back, and, and I'm sure most of us know, and especially you're from the New York uh, area, you, yeah. you remember 9-11. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I remember 9-11. And uh, we were at the time living overseas. I was an, an expat. And, and for your audience, expats are the business equivalent, the military. You know, we work for large organizations, and they send us all over the world to fix problems. So I was an expat. And that time we were living in uh, London, just outside of London, actually, in, in uh, Old Windsor, which is... Uh, actually in the flight path of, of Heathrow Airport, right? And um, when 9-11 happened, the world shut down. And, uh, you know, both me and my wife, Kathy, were from New York. We were New Yorkers and we were kind of heart-stricken. Uh, it turned out we lost three uh, friends who were firefighters in, in 9-11. Um, but, you know, it's at the time we were watching uh, um, Sky News, I think was the satellite in, in, in the UK. And, and they show this picture of uh, Heathrow Airport, and uh, just you can see thousands of people stranded in the background. And you know, the British Air person gets on TV and says, "Look, look, it's an act of war. There's nothing we can do for these people. Everybody's on their own, basically, right?" Um, so at the time, I was a CEO of an organization. Uh, it was about, I think, about uh, 350, 370 million dollar uh, revenue organization, and I had 2,000 employees across the globe. So if it was about office. Uh, so if it was influences about offices, about budgets, you know, I, I could have taken my organization on my budgets and, and done something, right? But my wife, who, you know, who didn't have a budget, who didn't have a corner office, she felt compelled to do something. So in the book, I talk about one of the ways to influence these people is find a, a worthy cause, right? So this was a fairly worthy cause. Kathy said, look, I got to help. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I got to help. So she drove out to the, uh, the airport. At that time, Terminal 4 was the international terminal. And she just said, hey, you know, how can I help? And two common themes uh, came up. And one was uh, people didn't have anywhere to sleep because all the hotels were booked up. So, you know, people were sleeping on the floors. And a lot of people on, you know, especially younger folks, they were towards the end of vacation, didn't have any money. And Heathrow is an expensive place uh, to buy anything. Right? So people were suddenly getting hungry. So, Kathy, you know, the, the light went on in her head. She said, look, you know, we're a bunch of expats. We all live in really nice big houses and we have spare bedrooms and refrigerators full. So she goes, well, why don't I see if I can house these folks? So she got on the phone tree with all the other, you know, spouses from the expat community and, and you know, can you host, can you host, can you host? And pretty soon, you know, we got the school bus out there and we packed the school bus up with people. School bus went to the parking lot and, um, you know, people picked up the, folks who were traveling who were stranded and housed them, right? So the next day, uh, there were four international schools. My kids went to the uh, school of uh, Tassus, which is outside of London. And then there was three more international schools in London. So then that phone tree grew to not one school, but four schools. So you had a lot more parents, a lot more, you know, a lot more housing and a lot more school buses. Um, the second day, now mind you, this is 9-11, British Air gives Kathy a, a pass, for the airport, right? A British Air passion, not an employee. I guess they vetted her somehow. I don't know exactly how, but um, they they loved her because everybody was screaming at British Air. And here comes, you know, Kathy and her 
team of other spouses uh, as the you know knights in shining armor, freeing up uh, all the people from screaming at British Air. Right. Uh, the third day, Kathy's phone rings, um, and uh, there's a person on the other end of the phone that says, "Hey, is this Kathy? Yeah, yeah, we heard about all the good things you're doing. This is Virgin Atlantic. This is when flights begin. You know, flights started open up." She goes. Uh, we have a jumbo uh, 747 that's going to, uh, you know, JFK, and we have about 80 seats open on it. So if you can get us 80 people, you know, we'll get them home, right? Nobody even talked to Virgin Air. I don't know how Virgin Air found out about it, but, you know, here's a, a, a great example that if money, if office, if, if anything like that um, could solve a problem, uh, you don't, Kathy didn't need it. She didn't need a budget. She didn't need, uh, you know, a corner office. She just networked with people. Uh, she took a leadership role and began to influence other parents, um, British Air, even Virgin Air, to solve a problem, which was not about her, but it was just, you know, something much bigger than her, uh, a worthy cause, and, and she didn't need the budget or office. So that's, you know, that's my two quick stories for your audience. Oh, that's great. Great. I'm so glad you shared that, Tom, because it really resonates when we have stories that really are real life. In this case, this was a real life situation. And there was so many things to learn from 9-11, like you said, you know, this whole concept of servant leadership. I mean, that was just a that whole day prior to when you know, everything happened. Well, as the buildings came down, was all about servant uh, leadership, people giving effortlessly to help others. Um, in that situation and everything that, you know, transpired after that, what you shared, what would be some of the things we have a few minutes left until the break. Um, what would be some things that, you know, what would be some takeaways that you would like to share from those two stories that you feel that people could re- really resonate with? Well, let's, you, you asked about what the four keys are and uh, you know, let's dive into those four keys. Let's, at least get them on the board before we go, you know. Yeah, we can start, we can get, we can prep it up and then we can get into the second segment. Yeah, feel free to do Yeah, because, you know, the four keys are really, you know, relevant also in Kathy's story, but the four keys are pretty simple. Uh, The first one is, um, you know, who are you? Again, you know, what is your character? Uh, And the equivalent of character for an organization, if you're running at a larger organization, is is a company culture, right? So the first key is, is really, being a good sense of who you are, whether your character or culture, and and those things are always uh, the foundation for the for the culture and the character is, is a person's values or or shared values for a company. So that's extremely important. Uh, the second one is uh, second key is vision, right? So all great organizations uh, have a long term vision. Vision is not something that's three or five years out. Vision is you know 20, 30, 40 years out. Great companies, uh, Nike, you know, we unleash human potential. It's been the same, you know, Coca-Cola, we refresh the world. You know, these are vision statements uh, or mission statements, depending on how you define it, that go out, you know, 40, 50, you know, 100 years. Uh, Dave uh, Martin at one time said, do you have a cathedral vision? You know, cathedral vision basically is, you know, when you built a cathedral in in Europe, it was a 200-year process, right? Uh, The third one is... um, you know, strategic growth. Uh, strategy is good, but a growth strategy is much better. We all want to be smarter, uh, more fit, et cetera. And then the last one is putting together um, a very diverse team. So diversity is uh, is very hot on, on my list of putting a diverse team together, but it's a different de- definition of diversity. I call it diversity of thought. So, Got it. 
Awesome. Well, this is great. Thank you for sharing that, Tom. We hope everybody is taking notes. We got to go to break right now, but we got more to come on the four keys to leadership success. Uh, We're going to, in the second segment, do a deeper dive into this particular area. So we encourage you to come back after the break and we'll be right back. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects. Surrounding yourself with family and loved ones. Nurturing your spirituality. Maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness. And being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about eliminating limited beliefs or unblocking mindset barriers for entrepreneurs, sales professionals, business leaders, and professional athletes to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of resolving the root cause to the problem. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the problem but do not address the root cause to it. You now have the opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consultation calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Well, welcome back to Sustainable Success. If you're just joining us here, we are with uh, Thomas Coretzi. Again, he is the author of uh, the book C-Suite and Beyond, The Four Keys to Leadership Success. You're going to get more information on how you can get your hands on that book here later. If you're just joining us again, you can listen to this show in its entirety here later today here at the Voice American Influencers Channel. Also on our Facebook page at Sustainable Success 2017. Just go to the link that is on there to listen to this show. You could also go to Apple Apple Podcast and download the Sustainable Success Show as well. So wherever you like to listen, this show will be available to you. So, Tom, you had shared you know, some insights to the four keys of leadership success. We covered them very briefly at the end. Let's just go into some of the key areas of the book and things that we've been talking about, you've been talking about in the first segment. What would be some things that that when you look at the four keys of leadership success, you had covered those four areas. If, if you're looking to develop a leader in whatever role that is, you know, if it's, a, if it's running a small business, a business unit, a community, it, it really can, can vary because we have so many different listeners here. What would you recommend and share with them that process? Well, look, organizational culture has to be first. Uh, you know, if you don't have a culture in your organization, uh, you don't have a DNA in your organization, and and um, and especially, well, I should rephrase that. Every organization is going to have a culture, and now you should design that so it's a culture that you like. Because if you don't, you will have a different culture which you may not like. Because a culture will exist. Uh, I've seen some companies that I uh, I worked with, and and they had a you know what I would say a a toxic culture, right? Um, 
it was acceptable to cheat and lie, et cetera. And, and the organization was, was run that way. I mean, look at Enron. You know, Enron had a culture where, uh, you know, falsifying books and, uh, you know, it was apparently acceptable and, and people went to jail over that. So you will have a culture in your organization, whether you like it or you don't like it. So you might as well pay attention to, to do it. So a lot of times I work with companies, we do workshops and, and first thing we do is, is just, you know, do a, a, a check to say, okay, does this organization have a culture? Do they have shared values? As I mentioned to you, uh, culture is based on shared values. Uh, you as an individual, your character is based on values. You know, one of my values is, uh, for example, honesty. Well, where did honesty come from? Honesty came from when I was about eight years old and I lied to my grandmother and my grandfather smacked me across the face so hard that, you know, um, and, and you and, could get away with that back then. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it, it wasn't, you know, it hurt, but what hurt more was, uh, you know, what did I do to piss my grandfather off so much? So, you know, uh, that, that's a value. That's one of my values. So as an organization, you know, what we do is we just come in with a piece of paper and there's about 50, uh, maybe 75 common values. And then people circle, five or six that are most important to them. And, and whether you have five or 10 or 15 or 20 people in the room, usually you'll find, you know, a small set, a subset from those 50 that people agree on, that they share, right? So then you got your shared values uh, and then you build a culture around that. You know, you make a culture statement. Um, you know, one of the examples I use is uh, uh, VMware and Pat Gelsing is a Christian guy. He's the CEO of that. And uh, uh, they're uh, EMC squared, right? Um, and C stands for customer or community. That's why it's you know squared. Uh, e, I think, is for entrepreneurship. So I don't I don't have the exact terminology. And I and I asked Pat. I said, well, you know, in a in an organization that's uh, you know across the across the globe, nine billion dollars, or I think they're bigger than that now, uh, thousands of of employees. That you know, how how do you live that culture? And Pat, without a beat, you know, missing a beat, he said, well, look, you know, we had a sales meeting in the Far East, uh, I think it was China. And he said, and like all sales meetings, you know, people like to party and have fun. But, hey, guess what? The next morning, everybody had to go up, get up, and they did community service, right? So the whole sales team did in the local community. They built something or something. So, and I don't know, I don't remember the exact details, but that's how you live the culture, right? You live the culture halfway across the world where, you know, C stands for community. So you have to do something for the community, right? So it's, culture is not a poster uh, on the wall. It's, it's not a, you know, something on a website. It, it's something that you have to live. Yes. Um, and the nice thing about culture and common values, it's not personal, right? It's if you're an organization and you agree, and look, you can have all the discussion up front about what that culture is and what those common shared values are. But once you agree on them, if, if people don't share those values, they do not belong in the organization, right? And I don't care if you're a janitor or a CEO of a, of, of a company, uh, every person should be able to sit across the table, another person, look them in the eye and say, hey, you're not living our culture. You're not living those values. What you just did is, it, is doesn't adhere to our shared values. And it doesn't, it's not personal. You know, it's not like, Tom, you messed up, you know, you did something stupid. No, it's like, Tom, you agreed to the culture that we agreed to. How come we're not living by those cultures? How come we're not, you know, living by those values? So it's an easy discussion. I love the fact about shared values because it's subconscious. 
would it be safe to say when people can really connect on those values, whatever values those are, they don't have to be the same, but there could be that shit, even one shared value that they can connect on. What kind of, what kind of effect would that have on, let's say, communication, engagement, decision-making, uh, you know, following through, owning your role and duties and whatever that may be for each person on the team? I think it's profound what you just said there, but correct me if I'm wrong, if, I'm, if I didn't listen, hear it that way, if that is something that can, can affect out those areas for the better. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think it was John Maxwell who said it, uh, maybe some other folks said it. Look, every time two individuals have a discussion, uh, they, and, and I'm sure maybe your audience right now is asking themselves these three, same three questions, right? Uh, when, when you're sitting across the table from somebody, you're listening to somebody, uh, you have three questions you ask yourself. The first question is, does this person care for me? The second question is, can this person help me? And the third question is, can I trust this person? Right? So your, your audience is probably listening to and say, okay, does Tom care for me? Uh, is the stuff that Tom telling me, does that actually help me? And, and then third is the stuff that Tom telling me, you know, can I trust it? Will it actually work, right? So if you have those shared values, uh, it's a lot easier to answer those three questions, right? Um, and that's really to your point, you know, if you have that shared value with another individual, you'll probably trust that individual a lot more than if you don't have those shared values with them. That's true. That's true. And like I said, we don't have to agree personally on everything, but it's not about what, who's right, who's wrong. It's about what's best for that situation. What's best for the project? What's best for the organization? What's best for the client, the community, whatever that may be. So it's finding that, that way to kind of work together to resolve, cha- you know, overcome challenges and create solutions. And, and then the other thing, which, which is, you know, simply once you have those shared values and once you have that culture, uh, the other thing that has to be shared is your vision. Yeah. Right? So, uh, and again, vision, what I mentioned to you, it, it's something that uh, it's not a strategic plan. I, I heard somebody say, hey, I got a vision. I want to buy a house in five years. Well, that's not a, that's not a vision. That's a nice plan, but that's not a vision. Um, you know, your vision is long term. Um, and I'll share with your audience my vision, right? So, yes, please. You know, my personal vision, and I really wish that when I was 20 years old, somebody would have came to me and said, Tom, you should have a personal vision for yourself. (laughs) You know, I would have looked at them and said, what the heck does that mean? But, you know, my vision evolved over years, and it's it's a simple statement. It says, man of God, leader of men. Well, what the heck does that mean? I mean, it's simple enough to understand man of God, leader of men. But what a vision statement does for yourself as an individual or for an organization is it helps your decision-making. Right? So every time you make a major decision in your life, you put it against that statement. Right? So let's say it's you know, Coca-Cola and you refresh the world. Well, guess what? Uh, I don't think Coca-Cola in the near future is going to launch a product that's not refreshing. Right? It, you know, it, it wouldn't hold true to their values or to their uh, vision statement. Um, you know, Nike is not going to launch a product that does not unleash human potential. So they're not going to launch a product that's going to make somebody worse. And, you know, it's not going to help them. Uh, they're going to keep on products that unleashes that human potential. So every person has a great vision statement. And, and for me, um, you know, I'll share a story with you. It, it's, uh, I was the CEO of a company and we're, um, 
we had a, a, a meeting in, in Romania, Bucharest, Romania, because that's, that's where one of our subsidiaries are. So we brought all the management team in from all over the world. And we, we had a absolute, I mean, by the way, Ceausescu Palace is, 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 is just as nice as Versailles or, or any of the large palaces in, in Europe. It was just, you know, glorious. And we had a wonderful event and, and dancing and, um, you know, then it was probably about, you know, two, three in the morning. And uh, everybody was kind of heading back to the hotel. And, you know, one of the, the marketing managers, uh, you know, took a liking to me. And, you know, you're, you're in there in a hotel lobby halfway across the world from your, your wife and your kids. And, um, you know, a lot of people would have said, hey, you know, what do I got to lose? And, and you know, it, it, it takes a second to run that thought through, your, you know, past your vision statement. And you say, okay, well, if I do this, you know, um, man of God, leader of man, you know, how, how does that honor my family? How does that honor yep. God? And the second is, you know, leader of men. I mean, the next morning you wake up, you come down to the lobby with your colleagues and everybody knows just what you did. I mean, you know, how does that honor your leadership principles? So it, it's really easy, you know, where you take a look and you say, okay, should I do this or should I not do this? Uh, I, I can't tell you how many uh, times I could have uh, taken jobs, which were for Eastern European cigarette companies or liquor companies, right? And I just said, look, it, it, that doesn't fit my vision statement, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I can't take that job. Right? So if you have a vision statement for your organization, if, uh, if you have a vision statement for yourself, it really helps uh, with your decision making. Yeah. I, I, I so agree in that situation. I think that is, and that's a real, that's a real situation. I've been there and I, and I, and I, I can relate to that. And that, and I know the old me, you know, gave into something like that. And then I, and then I had to deal with the consequences. Whereas in the last 24 years, it's been the complete opposite. So, so I'm very, I mean, for what you share, Tom, I'm very thankful that I did the opposite just because now I can learn. And now in this part of my life, I can be that servant leader. I can be that leader of example because I learned I hard way. But in this case, if hopefully you're, what you're sharing, people don't have to learn the hard way, but sometimes that happens. I know for me, that was the case. And I think that was a great illustration of that, uh, what you well, shared. You know, uh, and I'm glad you said that. It, it, the, the reason I, I wrote the book uh, and the reason I, I put it out there is, is to really share my wins and losses, because look, you know, I, I made a lot of mistakes in my life as well, so I didn't get everything right. Uh, but it sure is much easier and less painful to learn from other people's mistakes. Yeah. No, it's so, so true. So, so true. And I love, I, what I love about, now what you shared there, and, and this goes to another value that I really cherish, me personally, because it's one of my values, is not only honesty, because that's one of them, integrity is the other, but here's the other one that I, your transparency, you're very transparent. And would it be safe to say that most, I'm not saying all, but most servant leaders are transparent or authentic in a way? Uh, look, transparency and vulnerability. Mm, uh, I love it, that word too. It's it something that uh, people admire in leaders, right? Um, I, I remember a long, long time ago, I had, I had a sales meeting and, uh, you know, the sales team was there and, you know, we, we the, the guys, you know, the, some of the sales managers talked me into having a lot of tequila shots, right? 
And, um, and we were dancing. I mean, I didn't do anything foolish, but, you know, I, I was, you know, a little tippy. And then the next morning I had a nasty, nasty hangover. And, um, you know, I, I jokingly said to my sales manager, I said, Pete, you know, man, I should fire myself this morning for, you know, uh, having a hangover. And, 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 and he turned to me and he says, Tom, he says, for the first time, they saw you as a human being, right? Because I, I was very proper. I was very professional. You know, that's how they saw me at work. And I said, well, for the first time, they saw you as a regular guy. Yeah. And that did more for me in that leadership role. And, and I'll never forget that, that advice. And, and people will buy into you and they will buy into you as a leader a lot more uh, because you make mistakes, uh, because you're vulnerable uh, and you're, you're honest and open about it. Uh, that's a big key for leaders. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. And like I said, I mean, you know, one of the things about one of the things I had to do, Tom, when I learned this process is that, you know, you could, cause I used to be that, that person like would put on this, this act. I was a different person when I was in front of people at work in front of clients. And then when I was at home, I was completely the opposite. So and I had to get really vulnerable and know that, hey, how, do, how can I be consistent with who I am, shed the things that are not working for me, find the things that are, but still be true to who I am and still be able to be that person behind closed doors and when I was working or out in the public. And that, that was a process. But, you know, from what you just shared, I, I feel like, you know, that, that really talks about how a servant leader can evolve to just to be more value and be a better, a better example, better resource for others to do for themselves over time. Yeah. You know, let me just wrap up. Well, you know, I yeah. think we have maybe another minute before the commercial, um, you know, for, for servant leader as a CEO, as a servant leader, CEO, I thought I had the easiest job in the world because once I got the culture of the organization uh, and everybody to agree on it, once everybody agreed on the vision and, and they understood what their part of the vision was, my, task was to really create an environment for success where each individual was able to uphold their part of the bargain and to say, how did they contribute to make that vision a reality? So was it about training? Was it about um, assets? You know, whatever resources I had to provide to those folks, to the customers to make it a success, that was my job. And it was the easiest job in a room. Yeah. Wow. Well, we've got more to come from Tom. This has been some great stuff. We highly encourage everyone, if you're taking notes, to go back and listen to this show in its entirety. There is a lot of great information. Most important, the stories that, that Tom has shared, because that's what really resonates and really connects here. That's what that allows you to find within yourself when Tom talked about influence in the first segment to empower you to take you know, to, to find out what's, what, what's good for you. What can you do different that will, make, will allow you to be a better leader? So we got more to come here with the four keys to leadership success. We'll be right back after the break. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. 
The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Well, welcome back. If you're just joining us, we're talking about the four keys to leadership success. This, again, is from uh, the book, C-Suite and Beyond, Four Keys of Leadership Success, Success from Tom uh, Caretzi. Again, you're going to learn about Tom a little bit later in terms of how to get in contact with him. And we encourage everyone that's just joining us either on the tail end of the second segment or third segment live to listen to this show in its entirety. There is golden information here, great stories to support and really resonate at the deepest level to help you move your leadership role to the next level. So, Tom, let's just finish up a little bit on the third key with strategic growth. If you could kind of shed a little bit more insight to really kind of connect the dots with the other two and going into the fourth key. Yeah, you know, strategic growth is, is important that uh, it's strategic and, it, and it's a growth strategy because, uh, you know, nobody wants to be fatter than they were yesterday. Nobody wants to be less affluent than they were yesterday, poorer you know, than yesterday. So, it should, you know, the focus is on growth. But um, where many people make the mistake and many companies make the mistake is they do not align their strategic growth strategy with their vision, right? They, they get distracted by their latest shining object. Uh, so, I think it's, it's extremely important that whatever strategy you put together for yourself as an individual or as an organization, uh, that it is aligned with your vision. Because if it's not, uh, you take a company like Kodak, uh, where they lost their way, um, you know, they're, they're a former shell, you know, if anything, right? Because they, they kind of got off their vision and uh, they, they didn't follow, you know, that. And, and when you go into a planning meeting, and I don't care if you're a billion-dollar organization or you're a million-dollar organization, at the end, it's two questions. How do you spend your time and how do you spend your money? And it's about priorities um, and, and those things w- which will help you fuel growth and are aligned with your vision. You know, those are your higher priorities and that's where you're going to put your time and your money. Um, and, you know, and, and by the way, time in a large organization is what the people inside your organization are doing. That's time. You know, money is how you're spending your money outside your organization. Yeah. And that's the, it's just a fundamental, you know, concept for large or small organizations. Two easy questions. You know, four quite you know four quadrants. You know, you can use it. You know, call it Boston Matrix or call it whatever. But you, you pop things into four quadrants, um, and then that's how you allocate out your time and your and, and your resources. Um, so that's you know just a quick one minute segment on strategic growth. Awesome, I love that. 
I know in the second segment you had talked about values and shared values among people and and when 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 people can connect on those shared values this is what is like the nucleus in a way of building a not only a thriving culture like you had referenced earlier but a building a winning team and talk about the you know a little bit more about the process and concepts of building a winning team in a culture that you discussed earlier in the show. Well, first of all, the, the key word is team, right? I think uh, many entrepreneurs uh, make the mistake of thinking they can do it all themselves, right? And um, there's an old saying, I'm not sure who said it first, but you know, one is too small of a number to achieve greatness. So you need a team uh, and you have to figure out who you surround yourself with. So you could have an inner circle. For example, I was an expat everywhere I moved. You know, every two or three years, I landed in a country. And my inner circle always included a banker, a, a, a local sales and marketing guy, and a lawyer. You know, there they were, because I knew I needed that. <laughs> so I need those people on my team because, you know, starting up or, you know, or, you know, just taking over business uh, in a local country, you need those resources. So, you know, figure out who's going to be in a circle. Those are people that will support you. Those are people that you can trust, um, and they may be family members. They may be friends for a small startup organization. That's why they call them, quote-unquote, angel investors, right? Um, th- those are people that are, are close to you, and they will be there to support you. And if, if somebody's on your team is not there to support you and they're not positive, um, look, get them off your team, you know, because uh, they don't belong on team. And then the other thing, uh, many leaders make this mistake is they surround themselves with people of like mind individuals. And, uh, you know, sometimes they even call it chemistry. Or we have the right chemistry. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the fact is it's easy. That's the easy way out because you get along, you think alike. So you, you speak the same language, you have the same, you know, thought patterns. But the problem with that is you're going to make the same mistakes because you all have the same blind spots. So it's very important, and, and I learned this many, many years ago. Thank God to my first employer, Colgate Pamala. They put me through a, a Myers and Briggs test, and, and the light went on. And I was like, you know, the, the, the guy I thought that was, a, was an idiot, that was a procrastinator, that was lazy, that I couldn't do anything. Yeah. Well, no, they were just an analytical thinking person, right? They were just, they couldn't make a decision because they were very analytical, or they needed more data points. Uh, so you can put pick people into four kind of buckets, and I don't care if you bring some Myers test or DISC or LSI or Strength Finders. They all pretty much, you know, find you know what the, what the thought patterns, behavior patterns of individual are, and and you're not going to change. You are who you are, but what you have to do is you have to make sure you surround yourself with people who think differently than you. And um, you have to really cultivate that relationship uh, when you're putting the team together to so make sure that the people understand why somebody else is thinking differently than they are. It doesn't make them a bad person. Right? It just says they analyze and solve problems differently than you. And you should embrace that. You should appreciate that because that will give you a very, very balanced thing. Because, if look, if you, you put four guys together who are all same-minded and, and they love, you know, getting off the ground and getting things done, well, they're going to have the most efficient project uh, done in, in, the, in the next six months. But guess what? is the wrong thing to do, right? Because they didn't analyze it enough, right? They didn't have, you know, somebody who was about, you know, they can bounce ideas off. So that's extremely important. Um, 
and and diversity of thought. You know, I, I've I hear diversity in the United States all the time, and it's a pet peeve of mine because look, I I've been in so many boardrooms from all over the world with people from Africa, from people from the Far East, uh, from people from Latin America, all different skin colors, men, women. I never heard the discussions in a boardroom that I hear, you know, in the papers in the United States, because it's not about diversity, it's about prosperity. Um, and and if, if you get people in the same room with diverse thoughts and you get them to appreciate each other, and yes, a person from Brazil is going to look, look at the world differently than a person from Zambia, right? And 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 a person from Germany or a person from the United States. So uh, the fact of where they're from, you know, they, they will look at a little bit, we're a little bit differently. And, you know, one of my favorite stories is um, uh, back, I, I think it was maybe like 2002, 2003, somewhere around there, uh, Harvard Fellows. Uh, I'm, I'm a former member of Harvard Fellows. So uh, no, I'm sorry, Wharton Fellows, not Harvard Fellows, Wharton Fellows. Uh, so we had a, a trip for a bunch of executives who went out to Seattle. So we talked to Costco, we talked to Microsoft, and we talked to Starbucks. And um, Starbucks was a pretty good one because they said, okay, well, we've got a bunch of smart guys in a room, so let's ask them what they think about our international expansion plans. And Starbucks was pretty saturated in the U.S. at that time, and they were looking for you know, accelerated international exposure. And they gave us assignments, how we can help them. And and I remember just a really simple thought. I looked at their, um, at their uh, you know, perspectives for who was on their uh, executive management team, leadership team, and it was all white Anglo-Saxon guys. I mean, every, na- every single name was, you know, there was not one woman, there was not one Ramirez, there was not, you know. There, so I, <laughs> I presented, and I, I remember Oren Smith looked at me, I like I had two heads, like, I said, hey, you want to be an international team? You better get some international There was no teams. DEI there, right? No diversity, yeah. equity, inclusion there. <laughs> Zero. So, um, you know, because it's – and you, not, your companies have been much better. Uh, if you look at a lot of organizations, which are large Fortune 100 organizations, you look at their CEOs, you know, the, the guys are from India. You know, they're women on the board. So, it, it's become a lot more diverse, which is great. Yeah. Right? So – that's the key to a, a team is to make them diverse, you know, make them diverse thinking. Um, and, and then I think you have a, an element for success. Wow. That's great. That's so, so true. And uh, I love that about team. And, and what would be some of the things that, you know, keeping teams together? Cause again, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be challenges. What is that key? What would be something else you could share that would be that consistency to keep teams united people working together, either if it's a collaboration partner or a JV partner, people that you are your employees or whatever that may mean. Well, look, again, I'll circle back to culture and vision, right? If, if, if you have a team that now you, you, you selected your team and you said, okay, I have a diverse team with diverse thinking and I put these guys together. Now you, they have to have a common foundation, which is the culture. They have to share that culture. And, um, you know, I, I took an organization in Eastern Europe uh, where they were losing $4 million to making more than $6 million in, in less than three years. Uh, and, and there was only one or two people that left the organization. Uh, one I asked to leave and the other one left their, on their own. Actually, a lot more than uh, one left on their own because we identified a culture and, and they couldn't buy into it. So, uh-huh. you know, once you have a culture and once you have a great team, People will buy into it or they won't. If they don't buy into it, 
Uh, they pretty much are smarter ones. We'll pretty much figure out it's not for them and they leave on their own. Um, and then if the ones they haven't left on their own, but they're not part of the culture of vision, you got to cut them out like cancer because they will ruin your organization in, in a fortnight. So just cut them out. They don't belong there. No, I agree. I think that is so true and, and so important because, again, you can't really build in an environment where there's, there's disconnect, where there's miscommunication, there's, you know, people don't value trust, or there's just, again, drama in general, and that just leads to more toxicity. <laughs> yeah, Seen that a lot, we don't need a lot drama. of time. We don't need exactly. drama. Exactly. So, Tom, I want to thank you for everything that you've shared here. You have just been shared so much great knowledge and insight here and made it so relatable. I would love to have you, you know, share with the audience a little bit about how they can get in, you know, what you're up to, what you're, what, what you're working on, anything you'd like to uh, provide them, and, and most importantly, how can they get in contact with you to uh, connect with you in this particular area? Well, the easiest way to get a hold of me is um, I'm cursed and blessed with the last name. Uh, you know, you, you, you yourself had to try to pronounce it several times. Before, yes. Right. Uh, so, again, it's uh, K-E-R-E-S-Z-T-I. You know, you, you Google that name, you'll find me and my sister and my two daughters. So, a lot of, not a lot of Karestis in the world, right? Um, so, just do Karesti.com uh, and that will get you to my website. Uh, if you go into Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any of the online retailers, you look for C-Suite and Beyond, Four Keys to Leadership Success. You know, you can track me down that way. Uh, I have a um, on my website, I have a little link that allows you to do a free download. Uh, not the whole book, but an executive summary of the book. So, that will give you a little bit of taste. And yeah, obviously, I would uh, love you to to read the book. Uh, that's why I wrote it. I wrote it so I can share my you know wealth of information of how I failed and how I succeeded in life. Uh, so I, I think it's a good read. Uh, I've got a lot of positive uh, feedback from it. So uh, and then if you further think that I can help your company, absolutely do reach out to me. Uh, I'd love to come in. I you know we'll jump on a quick Zoom call maybe, you know, 15, 20 minutes to, so I can find out if we're a good match, if, if I can help you and you like me or not. Uh, and then we can take it from there. Well, Tom, thank you so much. We highly encourage those that are business leads. If you're working for a company, whether if you uh, run a small to mid-sized company, reach out to Tom. He offers a lot of great insight here. This is the thing that could set your foundation for success in motion long-term. Get it right the first time, getting back to the values that Tom shared here before. So, again, Tom, thank you so much for being here. We're greatly blessed that you graced us with your, your insight and experience and wisdom today. Listeners, we're always grateful for you being here each and every week. This show would not be where it's at if it wasn't for you. We're committed each and every week to bringing guests like Tom in to share their personal experience, wisdom, and insights to help scale your business and personal success to the next level. We want to wish everybody a wonderful holiday season. We will be having another show next Thursday. Yes, we will, right before Christmas, December 23rd. So, again, but for those that are going to be busy, can't make the show, we want to, again, extend a uh, happy holidays to you, and we'll see you uh, in the new year. Have a great one, everyone, and we'll see you next Thursday. Thank you for tuning in to Sustainable Success. Be sure to join Chris Salem and his guests every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have an incredible week.